0: Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church sermon podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, amen and amen. As best as you can from your living room right now, As we always do here at First Missionary, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise because he is so worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise today. I hope that in your homes this morning, wherever you find yourself again, as you say hello to some people, let us know uh, where you're watching from today. But I hope that you've been able just to worship him freely, just to truly turn your living room and in your house into a sanctuary of praise and of thanksgiving to exalt him and to elevate him, uh, especially during this very difficult and uncertain time. Well, we've said it and we've said it and we've said it and we're going to keep saying it. During difficult and uncertain times, people need at least two things. Now, we know that there's physical needs and financial needs and And my goodness, right now, people are needing some some mental encouragement. We're we're watching the news. We're seeing what's happening in a lot of people's lives. It's not real positive with a lot of people right now. They need a lot of mental support. But we just really believe with all of our hearts that it's the spiritual. It is the spiritual that underpins and lays a foundation for everything else in your life. And spiritually, when times are tough, People need to be assured of God's love for them. They also need to know that there is hope. There is hope for better days. And even if those better days don't come in this lifetime, for those who have faith in Christ, those better days will come someday. And this hope comes to us by knowing Jesus. And folks, you may not realize it, but it is perhaps even more challenging today in our world and culture than it was last week at this time. I know that people are so over this. They're so over this virus. They're so over being in their homes. People are wanting to get out. And people say, well, you know, what are the numbers looking like? And, and just, just real brief here, from what I last saw in our country there's over 740,000 cases as of right now or today. Uh, actually, right now, there's over 39,000 deaths that have happened. And people have said, people have said, but you know, when you compare this to other illness or sickness or the flu, then those numbers, there's not much of a comparison or or they they roughly compare. But folks, let's remember something very important during normal circumstances, even when There's your common sickness that's taking place. People still have their jobs. Folks still have their businesses. When someone passes away or someone loses a loved one during those normal times, you can have a gathering of friends and family, a a true life celebration. That's not happening right now. There's it's very small. It's very private. Also, we need to be reminded that typically when someone becomes ill, they're able to have their family and friends at the hospital around them to, to love them and to support them. And when people are facing their last days on this earth, they're able to have friends and family and their church family to come around them, to hold their hand, to hug them. That's not happening right now. It's a very difficult and uncertain time. So we encourage you to please continue to take care of yourself. One another, one another, look out for one another. Continue to let God use your life to be a great light of hope to other people. And let's remember that the hope that we have in Jesus is not just our Easter hope. Jesus is our everyday hope. And so today, with the messages that we're bringing and teaching, we're still, we're still in, that, in that heart and mindset of, of realizing that Jesus is our hope. Up until last week, we celebrated that Jesus is our Easter hope. Well, moving forward, we're going to look and we're going to consider that now because of the resurrection of Jesus. He's not just our Easter hope. He is our everyday hope. And what some people really need to be reminded of today, and maybe you need to be reminded, Jesus Christ, He is a miracle worker. He is a way maker. He is a promise keeper. He is a light in the darkness. Well, today we're going to continue to look at why you can Place your faith and trust in Jesus. Why can you do that? Why should you? Why should you place your faith and trust in Jesus? And the answer is simple. Because he is who he said he is. And there were at least two things that verified his claims of who he is as the son of God, the savior of the world. At least two things we see. Now, we could talk about Scripture and prophecy. We could talk about the testimony of God's Spirit today. And all of those say, He is who He says He is. But two things really stand out. For one last week, we looked at the resurrection of Jesus. And the other thing that we introduced a couple of weeks ago that we're continuing today is that His miracles, the miracles He performed, testify. That he is who he said he is. But not just miracles in general, but some very specific miracles. If you have your scripture with me today, if you have your Bible, please look with me in Matthew's gospel. We're going to look at another one of those very special miracles of Jesus. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be very exciting. Um, wow, there's a lot of neat things that are right here. This begins in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. Please read along with me. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind, and your translation might say dumb, we'll talk about that in just a second, was brought to Jesus. And Jesus healed him. He healed him so that the mute man, the dumb man, spoke and saw. Now look at the response of the crowds. All the crowds, the masses of people, were amazed. And were saying, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? Surely he's not the king, the Messiah. Surely. Could it be him? Verse 24. But when the Pharisees, the Pharisees were uh, the Jewish religious leaders of the day. The people typically looked to them for guidance and encouragement. And however the leadership went, so many times, that's the way the people would ultimately go. The crowd saw one thing, but in verse 24, the Pharisees, when they heard this, they said, this man casts out demons only by Beelzebub the ruler of the demons. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, and he basically appeals to common logic, And my my dear friend today, this, this stands for our homes. It stands for our country, our community, our churches. Any kingdom, any kingdom, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And any city or house divided against itself, it will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If by Beelzebub I cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they'll be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house he who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me he scatters father we give this time to you lord we trust that your spirit will be our guide and our teacher Father, we would not dare begin to do this without leaning and trusting upon you and your power. So, Father, speak into our lives, speak into our hearts today, speak into our homes. I pray, God, oh, I pray that you would touch and change lives through our way maker, our miracle worker, our promise keeper, our light in the darkness jesus we lift him up during this time it's in jesus name we pray amen and amen well when it comes to placing your faith and trust in jesus somebody might ask the question well why should i do that and i really believe that the simple answer is this because jesus is who he said he is And then you might say, well, how can we know? Is there anything that verifies that he is who he said he is? Well, last week, perhaps, is the greatest reason, the greatest demonstration as to why you should place your faith and trust in Jesus. His resurrection. His resurrection changed everything. It changed so many lives. The the followers of Christ who were Doubtful and troubled during that week that we call Passion Week. Once Jesus was raised from the dead, from that point on, their lives completely changed. They were courageous. They were brave. Uh, Many of them died a martyr's death. Now you tell me, would anyone in their right mind, and there were many of them after the resurrection of Jesus, would anyone die for a lie? Today, there's over 2 billion followers of Christ. And you ask the question, what was it that made all the difference? It was the resurrection of Jesus. And my dear friend, there is tremendous, there is great historical evidence for the resurrection of Christ. That verifies that he is who he said he is. And that's good reason for you. To place your faith and trust in Him today. But the other thing that took place throughout Jesus' life. It has to do with the miracles of Christ. And there were basically two categories of miracles. One, there were general miracles. Just general miracles and throughout history. People empowered by the Spirit of God. They were able to perform general miracles. However, based on the tradition of the rabbis, the Jewish teachers... Leading up to the time and the day of Christ, Uh, there would be some miracles that would be very, very special. That not just anyone empowered by the Spirit of God, but a very special someone, only a very special someone, would be able to perform these miracles. Uh, These were called the Messianic miracles. Or, Or we could also put it this way these were the miracles that only the Messiah would be able to perform. The Messiah was the chosen one. He was the anointed one. He was the special one of God who would deliver mankind from his sin and crush the evil one. His name, we believe, is Jesus. There are actually three of these special miracles that are called the Messiah's miracles, the messianic miracles. And guess what? Since the Jewish leaders knew that this was a part of their tradition they would be, they should be the first one, the first ones who'd be able to recognize them. Uh, the first one, and we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, had to do with being able to heal a person who had leprosy. There's a very special situation around that that was covered in a message a couple of weeks ago. But we saw a few weeks ago that Jesus, Jesus did the unthinkable. He touched a person who had leprosy. And after the completion of the Mosaic law, there had never been anyone who had been cured of leprosy. But yet Jesus did that. That was one of the Messiah's miracles. And it would lead everybody to say, and it at least should lead everyone to say, Aha, here he is, the anointed one of God. Well, that wasn't the only one that Jesus did. There was a second one that we see in today's text. It had to do with healing a, a, a mute demon. Now, you may find that strange and peculiar. And I'll explain that in just a second. But I do want to let you know that the third one that we'll look at next week had to do with, with healing a person who had been born blind. And, and please understand that there are special circumstances around all of these. There's a Jewish understanding and a Jewish layer behind each and every one of these until you know that, that Jewish mindset. Or those traditions of the rabbis. It's hard to really appreciate these miracles. And that's what we're trying to do for you in this message series. Our everyday hope that we're calling it now. But the second one had to do with healing. A mute or a dumb demon. This is what we find in today's text. The scripture tells us that a demon possessed man who was blind your translation might say dumb, was brought to Jesus. Now, please understand uh, that in that day and age, in, in that time, whatever was going on in a person's life, if they were under the influence of, of a demonic or a dark, dark spirit, then whatever the physical characteristics of the person was, then people believed that those were the same characteristics of that dark spirit or that demon that came over them, Or possess them. So in this situation. uh, You have a person. Who is blind. And some of your translations say. Dumb. Therefore they concluded. This must be a. Blind. Or a dumb. Demon. Now this isn't dumb. In the sense of like he was not very intelligent like maybe this particular demon you know he he flunked out of satan junior high or you know he he failed demonology 101 that's not what is meant here by the word dumb some translations say mute and that is a better translation of this word because it means that this man who was possessed not only was he blind but he wasn't able to speak he wasn't able to speak therefore They believed that this demon wasn't able to speak. Now, why was this so special? It was so special because there was a way that people with the Spirit of God could cast out or exorcise mute or dumb demons. And this was their methodology. The three-step process, if you will. First of all, it began with identify. To identify the demon in the person. It'd be like to be able to to get communication with that uh, that particular demon to communicate. Then once they communicated or they identified the demon who in the dark spirit, then they would uh, they would they would find out the demon's name. Uh, Jesus followed this in Mark chapter five with a demon named Legion. If you remember, Jesus asked that demon his name. He said Legion. The third part of this was that someone would then, by the demon's name, thats dark spirit's name, they, by that name, would cast out the demon. Identify, name, cast out. And that was a common Jewish methodology for exercising or casting out demons. Well, guess what? When it comes to a mute demon, you can't communicate, you can't find the name, you can't cast out by the name. So that would require a very, very special power and a very special presence. Well, guess what? The scripture tells us that Jesus casts out this blind and this mute demon out of this man. We can imagine what would take place, how the masses and the crowds of people would react, how even the Jewish leadership would react. And there's another place in Mark's gospel that tells us basically that the Jewish leadership, they, based on their investigation, they had already drawn conclusions about Jesus. And guess what? They didn't conclude That Jesus was the Messiah. And people asked the question. Well why not? So So much of it had to do. With many of their religious traditions. And their ideologies. And things that they had gotten away from. In regard to the scriptures. And the Mosaic law. And they were at a place in time. Where they were not able to see. Jesus as the Messiah. And they were making their own. Choices. Just like you and I today. We make our own choices. Either Jesus was a blasphemer, someone who made ridiculous claims, or Jesus is Messiah. As someone put it once one time, uh, some thought that Jesus was like a, a, a liar or a lunatic. But when you boil it all down, you only have two options with Jesus. He is either who He said He is, or He's not. He's either a lunatic and a, or a liar, or He has to be Lord. People make their own choices about Jesus. Well, the Jewish leadership had, had already concluded that Jesus was a blasphemer. and they, they were rejecting Him as Messiah. However, the crowds, the, the Scripture tells us that the crowds... They were amazed by what Jesus had done. They knew that only a special, special, listen to me, only a special power and only a special presence can come over any spirit of darkness. Especially a spirit of darkness like this one. Scripture tells us, Matthew records That the crowds, the crowds were amazed by this. They were amazed and they were saying, this this man, he cannot be the son of God. I'm sorry, the son of David, can he? Uh, This man cannot be the son of David, can he? And if he's the son of David, then he would be the king, the promised king, the promised one who is to come. And if he is the king who has been promised and the king is here, then you know what that means? It means that God's kingdom is here. And the crowds and the masses of people, they were amazed. It shows that they were being persuaded. And they were drawing their own conclusions. But the Pharisees, the religious Jewish leaders of the day, they had already made up their mind. And and when they heard this, they said, no, 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 no. This, This is not a man... Who's empowered by God. They said. This man casts out demons. Only by Bilzebel, The ruler of the demons. And you're asking who in the world. Is Bilzebel? Well first of all. He's identified here as the ruler. Of the demons. So he would be like the chief. Of the demons. The chief dark force. Of all dark forces. Now I'm an. I'm A. A. a a word nerd at times, and, and I like to study etymology, and I, I like to figure out where words come from. It just happens to be that this term Beelzebul is from two Hebrew words. Baal, which means Lord or God, as in a lowercase lower God. And then notice this, and listen to this, Zabul. Zabul. Which means, literally, in the Hebrew, Lord of the flies, Lord of the flies, based on an old pagan, ancient, false god. And they believed that the Lord of the flies could come over and cast out and rule over flies. So over a period of time, Beelzebul became known as the Lord of Filth. The Lord of dung. And the Lord of, of nastiness. The Lord of crap. This is Bilzable. And throughout Jewish tradition and history, he would become the ruler of the demons. So here's the deal. In their hearts and minds, they, they could not and they would not conclude... That Jesus did what he did by the power of God. Even though he defied methodology of casting out demons. He defied the common way it happened. It was an extraordinary power. But here's what they conclude. They conclude, no, 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 no. no. Here's what Jesus did. It wasn't by the Spirit of God that he did these things. But look in the text. It says that he did this by the Spirit Of Bilzebul, this man cast out demons only by Bilzebul, the ruler of the demons. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, and this would be almost like us saying, "Okay, well, let's really think about this. Let's really think about what's being said here. If if the ruler of the demons." Is casting out his own demons. Then you tell me. What sense does that make? Jesus knowing their thoughts. He said to them. Any kingdom divided against itself. Is laid waste. You and I both know that. That any kingdom. That wants to stand. Any nation, country, it has to be united. United we stand, divided we what? Divided we fall. Jesus takes it further. He says, in any city, any city that's divided against itself, it will not be able to stand. And then he brings it home even more closely. Any house divided against itself, it will not stand. This is a guiding principle of all of life. This is common logic. It's common understanding. If there is division in your home. In your relationships. In your lives. If there's division. It's going to be really hard to stand. Not just in your homes. But in any city. Any nation. Any kingdom. Cannot stand. So then Jesus does this. He takes it to the next part. In verse 26, he says, so if Satan casts out Satan, he is what? He's divided against himself. Now you tell me, how then will his kingdom stand? And the answer is clearly it would not be able to stand. So what Jesus is doing Is he's taking their argument, and in his wisdom that comes from God, he turns this back to them. And then as he begins to close out this teaching, notice what happens next. He says, if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided. How in the world can his kingdom stand? In verse 27, if Beelzebul, the Lord of the flies, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? By whom do your sons cast them out? Uh, So if Beelzebul cast out demons, and you're casting out demons, then you tell me, by what power are you doing it? It's something like Jesus is saying, you're doing the same thing. And none of you would ever admit to that. For this reason, they'll be your judges. But, and listen to what he says as he closes out this teaching. But, 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 but. If I cast out demons by the spirit of God. If I am who I say I am. Then you need to be aware of something really, 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 really important. If I cast out demons by the spirit of God. If I am who I say I am. Then the kingdom of God. Has come upon you. And my dear friend. I want you to think about this. What did Jesus do? He spent his life. Dispelling darkness. When there was a sickness. He overcame it. When there was a tragedy. He triumphed over it. He lived his days. in his life seeking out the good and the light of people. He took up for the underdog. He stood by the side of those that society had outcasted and had rejected. Jesus spent His life dispelling the darkness around people. And here's what I want you to know. Today, Jesus does The same thing. He spends his resurrected life coming into our lives, into our world, and he is speaking to the evil. But many times, just like when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he weeps with people, he cries with people, he feels their pain, he walks with people, he understands. That a broken world is going to render things broken. That in a broken world, there's going to be all kinds of brokenness. And he walks with people to give them hope of a better day. This is what Jesus spent his days doing. Casting out, dispelling darkness. And then he says this. If I, cast out, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, you need to know the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the, the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? In other words, it's going to take someone, it has taken someone who is greater than the strong man. To overcome the strong man. And Jesus is saying, that's what I've been doing. The evil one, this spirit of darkness, this hopelessness, it is strong, it is powerful, but I'm the stronger man. And it takes a stronger man to overcome the strong man. You know, in my house right now, if you drive by my house on any given afternoon, the garage door is likely to be up and open. And my garage has been converted into a home gym. At any point in time, you're likely to walk out there and see three or four teenage boys out there working out in my garage. In fact, my son, Brady, he's become the personal trainer. He's the appointed personal trainer of the entire family. He's got his mama out there. He's got his sister out there. He's had his dad out there. I was up there lifting weights the other day, and Brady looked at me. He said, Dad, you're losing it, buddy. You're losing it. I'm like, thanks, son, for the reminder. I hadn't done this in a long time. Why is that? It's to be stronger. Because everybody wants to be stronger tomorrow than they were today. Because when you're strong, it gives you hope of better days. Jesus said, it takes a stronger man to cast out the strong man. Therefore, last thought. Jesus said, He Who is not with me. He is against me. And he who does not gather. With me. He scatters. So a very simple question as we leave you today is this. Are you with him? Or not? He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. And you can, you can, you can those up in, in all different kinds of arrangements. He's a light in the darkness. And then he's a promise keeper. And then he's a way maker. No, he's a miracle worker first. No, he's a, he's a, he's a light in the darkness first. No, he's a miracle worker. No, 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 no. He's a way maker. No, he's all of these things. And to be with him is to be with the one who gathers hope. And the picture here of gathering hope is that you take all of who He is into your life and with Him you gather hope. To gather hope means that you strengthen it. It's like piling weights on the weight bench. You're strengthening. But either you are a hope gatherer with Christ or you are a hope scatterer against Christ. To scatter means to weaken. It means to weaken. It means to to make thin. And to dissipate. Jesus was just turning this back around after He had performed the second Messianic miracle. And He was saying, I am who I say I am. The kingdom of God has come. Yes, I am the King. Now make your choice. Make your choice. Do you want your house healed? Do you want broken relationships mended? Do you want to see people have hope in their last days? Do you you want to see people when, when they feel like their business is failing, they're going to lose everything, instead of them having suicidal thoughts and ideologies, do you want them to have hope in their lives? Then let God use your life as a hope gatherer with Christ. Do not let thoughts of negativity, thoughts of despair, fill your hearts and fill your minds. Do not... Do not loosen your grip on Christ. And if you've never laid hold of Him, lay hold of Him now in your life. He is who He said He is. You can place your faith and trust in Him. And now, if you know Him, hold Him even tighter. Be a hope gatherer. Don't be a hope scatterer. In Jesus' name. Our prayer counselors are standing by right now. If you need somebody to pray with you, to lift you up, you got a burden on your heart you want to share, we're inviting you to do that even now. Cody's going gonna to lead us in a time of response. Bow your heads with us, please. And just respond to the Lord in your life today. And if you're making any decision for Him, if there's anything in your life, your heart you want to throw out, put out there right now, let us know what it is. Let us be a part of this journey of of discovering Christ with you. And then Cody's going to pray us out. God bless you for being here with us today. He is a way maker. He is a promise keeper. He is your light in your darkness. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Cody, lead us out. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church sermon podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.